G'day friends, welcome back. We're into round nine of the AFLW season. Only one more week before we're into the big stuff. And the big stuff is being shaped right in front of our eyes because there are now spots in the top four that are up for grabs with Brisbane's shock loss to the Mighty Saints, putting them at risk of falling out of the top four because they got Melbourne this week coming, um, which will be, I think it's up there though, so it helps them a little bit, but still be a tough game for them to win. you got teams like Essendon looking to jump into the top four, which is wild, so that's crazy. And then you got this logjam of teams all trying to get into the eight. St Kilda just outside. Uh, I think it's Collingwood also just outside, only on percentage, both wanting to get wins next week. There are a number of different results next week that will change how the how the finals look. It's really exciting, actually. It's exciting that there are teams like the Suns and Essendon who are most likely going to be playing finals. Um, it's amazing that these some of these expansion teams, and St Kilda as well, if they can get in, like, you know, they're not... I think Essendon are the... You know, and Sydney as well. Forget about Sydney. Essendon and Sydney only coming into the competition last year and they they look like they might play finals. So really, really exciting that, you know, new teams can come in and develop and impact the competition so quickly. Um, Today, I'm taking a look, obviously, at the St Kilda win over the Lions. I'm a very, very happy boy. Very happy boy. And then I also took a look at the West Coast Eagles versing, not a word, the Bulldogs. Uh, Because I I believe that West Coast, until now, were the only team who I hadn't taken a look at once this year. Uh, So I wanted to have a look at an Eagles game, uh, and it was a pretty exciting one. The Dogs getting the job done for their first win of the year. Um, Had to wait nine weeks for that. It was an interesting game, this one. Um, Decided really by some sloppiness from the Eagles, really. Um, but yeah, those are the two games, so let's get into it. St. Kilda and Brisbane. St. Kilda getting the job done by 21 points. Can you believe it? Getting the job done at Moorabbin. I I could not believe this. I was blown away. I was so impressed and proud of the girls. This is one of the biggest upsets in the history of the AFLW. If, If you haven't really paid much attention to W sort of all the way through. Upsets, until this year, there have been quite a few this year. Until this year, they don't really happen, right? The older, more experienced, more developed, more developed teams would always beat 
the newer, younger, less experienced teams, right? And there was really no wiggle room, right? It, it was like you could pretty all, almost always guarantee um, that the you know more the the, the older team was going to beat the newer team, basically always because you had you had your original eight teams, and then there was two more added, and then four more added, and then the final four added. So as those extra teams got added. It was very difficult for those teams to win any games until more teams got got added then after. Um, but I reckon this year we've had as many upsets as there was in the entire history of the AFLW before this year. Like I reckon like that there's there's probably been, you know, at least ten like genuine upsets this year. And this is how this is how we're sort of, you know, we're getting teams like Essendon and Sydney finding themselves playing final likely to play finals because they're two of the newest teams. And you think, oh gee, that like, you know, that they maybe beat the teams around them and and that'll be it. They won't be beating teams, you know, in the top half of the ladder, there's no way. But then they just have and we're finally starting to see some really effective equalization in the competition. All all the player movement that we've had, there was loads last year. It, it seems to actually be really working. And I think that's fantastic. And, oh God, I was just so wrapped as a Saints fan because we're right in the finals hunt now. We just got to beat Carlton on the weekend. And then also we need a couple of other things to go our way. Um, we need... If we beat Carlton, our chances are quite good. If we beat Carlton, we only need... uh, Let's have a look. Let me do some quick maths. If we beat Carlton, we only need one of Gold Coast, Geelong, and Sydney to lose. We only need one of them to lose, so we can... Oh, and... One of them lose, and either Collingwood also lose or don't win by enough to jump us on percentage because they're currently a couple of points below us on percentage. We're four points below um, Sydney on percentage, and then there's an enormous jump to Geelong and Gold Coast. So, um, yeah, if if we win, our chances are, are very good. If we lose, technically we can still get in. Um, but you know, the, the odds are slim, uh, but yeah, so hopefully we can get the job done against the blues. I think we're a pretty good chance there. And then, you know, we just, you know, one or two other things fall our way. And and that is amazing that the Saints girls are a chance to play finals. I think that's a, because as I've said many times after, or even at three quarter time in round four, Against the Pies, I wanted Dal gone. I was like, you can't coach. We're getting smashed. It's over, right? What a waste of a year. And then like that, it was turned around. And now I think he's a fucking genius. <laughs> I think he's, I don't I don't know what happened. I don't know if, if it just took a little time for the girls to sort of click to how he was coaching or if something just, if a switch got flicked in him and he suddenly like, figured it out and really, you know, like got it all working. I don't know what happened, but out of nowhere, we've suddenly, you know, there was the blip last week in Fremantle. That's fine. But, you know, we went on a four-game winning streak and now we've beaten Brisbane, which is crazy. 
Oh, unbelievably good. I'm so happy. And what I'm loving the most that he's doing is he's throwing the magnets around like crazy. The best thing that he did coming into this game is really building a new back line, right? Because he's had Nicola Stevens, who traditionally was a defender playing forward for the last couple of years. Priest, traditionally a defender, has spent the last couple of seasons mainly in the midfield. The two of them have gone back to where they prefer to be, and our backline just seems rejuvenated and seems so much more effective. It was remarkable to see. The two of them, I thought, were really good. Um, BJ seems to... Like, she's had a pretty down year, in my opinion, but I thought this was her best game for the year by quite a bit. She seems like a new person. She seems invigorated by having, you know, those two girls back down there. And, you know... To have the two of them down there, we sacrificed a little bit of height. It seemed like Boyd was playing as a sort of second or even third ruck and then sort of resting forward. It seemed like that's where she was spending most of her time. So we're sacrificing a little bit of height down there. We've still got Kelly, who doesn't really play on anyone. She's really like an attacking, running halfback, but she's got a little bit of height. And Pynchon has a little bit of height as well, but Pynchon's been in and out of the side this year. So really, as our settled back line, which would include Watson as well, Kelly's really the only one with any height. Like I, I, I don't know all their heights off the top of my head, but I'd say Watson, Jacobson, Stevens are all sort of the same height. Priest might be a little bit shorter. And then I would say Pynchon and Kelly are probably a little bit taller than all of them. So, and and Boyd would be the tallest of the lot, I would assume. Um, but it works. It works really, really well. Like I think BJ plays undersized a lot of the time. She can play on taller opponents. Um, but man, it, it just looked like a totally different outfit down there. It was so noticeable and it was really impressive. So I think stick with that. I think playing players where they like to play is not a bad idea. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. I don't know if this is where all these girls really want to play. I assume it is. Um, but man, it just seems like they just fit into those positions better than where they had been. Priest and Stevens specifically. So I really, really appreciate that. And he's done a couple of other things with magnets like earlier on in the season he was throwing Wardlaw into the middle and now she's a mainstay in there and that's worked out really really well so bravo to Dal and how he has totally turned our season around I've, I've been absolutely blown away um one of the most impressive things out of this game as well was how dominant St Kilda were around clearance I swear I never burp this much when I'm just talking when I just talk, I don't burp this often. I don't know. I don't know why. Is it because I'm sitting in the chair? I, I don't know. Just be, doing the podcast makes me burpy. I don't know why. <laughs> it just does. I apologize. Um, but yeah, around clearance, we did a really good job of sort of limiting Anderson's impact. She was still one of Brisbane's better players and she still got plenty of the ball. She had 20 odd disposals. Um, Might've been 19. But I felt that her impact was a lot less than it normally is. Normally, you know, she can she can shape a game. She's an incredibly impactful player. And 
I thought our mids did a good job of stopping her. Um, I th- oh, T Smith is having just a freakish back half of the season. Like she was, like I, I, I think the last three weeks she's been our best player. She was probably our second best player after Wardlaw on the weekend. Um, so yeah, just is in unbelievable form for, for such a young player. T Smith, um, Wardlaw, as I just mentioned, I think this was her best game for the Saints. Um, she's kicked more goals in some games. She had the two against her old side on the weekend, but my goodness, just her impact when she's around the ball as as that. She's she's probably our, our number one ruck now or equal one with Nolda. Um, I really don't know who out of the two of them I'd prefer because I thought Nolda was fantastic in this game as well against Hickey, um, who's, who's a very good ruck in her own right. Um, I thought Nolda was excellent, but gee, yeah, Wardlaw, she has so much presence. The way she jumps at the ball to take a mark, her follow-up work when she's in the ruck, she has so much size and athleticism and skill and speed. Oh, fuck, she's been a good addition to the team. She's a gun. She's an absolute gun. Oh, yeah, I thought she was brilliant. Um, yeah, Nolda, I just mentioned her, is, is getting better and better. Um, I think that McKinnon is actually out injured. I saw that she might have had a moon boot on, so I think that's why she was out of the team um, for the last couple of weeks. Therefore, Nolda finding her way back in, and she's improving week on week. I thought she was brilliant. Hickey, Hickey as I said, is a, an incredibly competent ruck. Um, Nolda was ferocious. She was competitive and physical, and she got loads of hit-outs, and it, it helped a lot with this, I guess, plan. They had to, to be a really you know high-pressure and dominant team around Stoppage and clearance, I thought that worked brilliantly. I thought Ash Richards had another really good game. Couple of goals again for her. She is another one who's improving week on week. You can see it. It's another thing that I think Dal has been able to get out of the girls that has just blown me away. So many of them you can see week on week, not even across the whole season, week to week, you can see improvement which is hard to do. Like when you when you take a bigger sample, like a whole season, and you go from oh, round one to round 10, you can go, oh yeah, Ash Richards, loads better. Round one to round 10, that's fantastic. But when you can say from like rounds seven to round eight and round eight to round nine, you can see her getting better and doing more things and making better decisions and, and all that. I think that is absolutely fantastic. And it's a credit to the girls as well. I'm not giving it all the credit to Dal. The girls are obviously working incredibly hard because it doesn't just happen. Um, but man, God, it's just been so impressive how, how almost all of them are improving. Like you look at T Smith, like where, where she's at now from where she was, like she, she's been good from day dot. She was a high draft pick, um, loads of potential. So she has, she's been pretty good from the start. But where she's at now is freaky, given how young she is. It's amazing, um, and I thought and I thought Maddie Boyd was good as well. Um, didn't have heaps of the ball, um, you know. She didn't do a lot, but I thought what she did do was really good. And she she was sort of resting forward at times and going. I thought she was really great when she went in as sort of 
a third ruck option at times. It seemed like when Nolder was on the bench and they wanted Wardlaw forward, they'd throw Boyd in there. There was a couple of times where Nolder was forward and I think Wardlaw was in the ruck or Boyd was in the ruck. I don't know, but the three of them together, I thought it worked really well. And I thought like Boyd, similar to Nolder, just the, the competitiveness and following up and not just doing the hit out and then going, all right, my job's done. Is fantastic. So no reason we can't have a third player capable of playing that position. I think that's a really good thing to have at your disposal. So I thought she was great as well. Um, one negative out of the day, just the one, the Serene Watson tackle on um, Taylor Smith. Uh, she's been rubbed out for a week, which is a bugger because she's been really good and really important. Dal actually used her in this game. So at one, cause it was fucking windy as, right? It was really, really windy at Moorabbin. Like you'd see some of the kicks going into the wind, just being held up and just dropping straight down. Very windy, hard, right down the length of the ground. Um, so there was times where I think it was in, when did we have the wind? Might've been in the first quarter or the third. I can't remember. But there was one time in the game where Brisbane put an extra player back, right? And then, you know, because, uh, yeah, it would have been when we had, might have been the first quarter. Brisbane put an extra player back, right? And rather than just letting them do that, Dale goes, no, no, we're going we're gonna to match that up. So he sends Watson down there and immediately Watson gets her hands on the ball and laces out, it might have been Richards for her first goal, just kicks it laterally across the ground and it just landed beautifully into the running arms of Ash Richards. I was like, fuck, that was such a good kick. And just going down there just to like make up the numbers really, to stop Brisbane having a number advantage and then immediately having impact. I was like, fuck yeah, that is so good. Yeah, I was so pumped up when that happened. And then, yeah, later on she lay just a silly, unnecessary tackle. The ball was gone, and then she slings um, Taylor Smith to the ground really hard. Just unbelievably unnecessary, that tackle was. So, you know, she's she's made a mistake, and now she's going to miss a week, and, yeah, like I said, we're going to need her against the Blues. So that does hurt. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully we can get through and um, she can play finals. But, yeah, you can... Can't be doing that. There, there is now like every week in the AFLW, so many of these sling tackles and so many players getting rubbed out, and it seems to have happened out of nowhere. Like in the first, like I reckon, first three or four weeks of the year, there was none or very, very few, and now there's loads. So I don't know what's going on, but the, the players need to stop, stop slinging the other players. You don't need to do it. I know you're trying to tackle really hard, but you. Like, we can't have people hitting their heads on the ground or on anything. We can't have that. So, stop it. Stop it. Um, Brisbane. Oh, after last week where I said, or the week before, whenever it was, well, last week I did two rounds. It was definitely last week. Um, where I was like, oh, gee, they're so disciplined. God, they make good decisions. Oh, they never make silly mistakes. They did the opposite of everything I said <laughs> when they played St Kilda, which I'm really happy about. But what are you doing? <laughs> What the fuck? Like, they had no Spark and no Conway, right? So that hurts. Two really important players um, out of the team. So, you know, that's a factor. But then, goodness me, just the ill-disciplined stuff from 
And it's so funny, like literally the words I used last week were, gee, they're well drilled, gee, they're disciplined, like, and then they just, like so many 50 meter penalties and just silly free kicks and uh, like a lot, gee, in the last quarter, Jamie Lambert was riling him up something good, um, got us a double 50 actually, which resulted in the T Smith goal. So that was good. Um, but yeah, just a completely different Brisbane outfit in terms of like demeanor and how they were carrying themselves and how they were operating. Like, you know, it doesn't help that they were missing a little bit of experience and a little bit of leadership in those two players, but they still had, you know, most of their regular outfit out there just making dumb mistakes. So um, Craig Sarsovich would have not been happy with all of that, I have no doubt. Um I suppose a positive way you can look at it is maybe they've gotten their their mulligan out of the way before finals. Like maybe this is that this was their like oh when you know we're gonna be just dumb for a weekend, and then we're gonna gear up and play some real footy. I don't know, but yeah, it was just it was really unlike them to be so sloppy and ill tempered and yeah, it was really bizarre. But the Saints paid dividends. For them, and they capitalised and got out to a really healthy lead early on, and then it was basically over. Um, I thought, as I said before, I thought Anderson, despite not having as much impact as she normally does, um, was still excellent in this game. Grider was really good as well. The skipper, Orla O'Dwyer, was fantastic as well. Um, kicked a what the in the last quarter there was this flurry of goals and. She kicked, I think she kicked there first for the quarter and there was still quite a bit of time left and I was just like, oh boy. I was like, oh dear. <laughs> Here we go. She kicked a really nice left foot goal. Um, I was like, fuck. And then Davison kicked one. I was like, fuck. But then we got a couple back and that, that's when it was over. I was like, yes, thank God for that. Um, I thought Dawes was really good as well. Like when, when most of the other Brisbane mids weren't able to get um, their hands on the ball for any clearances. She was one who um, was able to get quite a few, so I thought she was good for them as well. Um, and yeah, as I said at the start of the, of the podcast, they might miss the top four now. They need to beat Melbourne. Need to. That'll do them a world of good, be great for their confidence going into finals. Um, if they... Who have Essendon got? If they lose to Melbourne and then... Let's have a, oh Essendon have got the Suns, so either way they could get jumped, yeah. Because the Suns have the draw, so if Brisbane lose, there's no scenario where they make the top four because one of Essendon and Gold Coast are going to win. Oh gee whiz, danger, 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 danger. <laughs> They need to win. Oh, gee, that'd be wild. That'd be wild if Brisbane missed the top four and Essendon got in. That'd be crazy. Oh, they'd be playing finals. <laughs> Imagine if they won one. <laughs> the boys would be like, fuck, damn it. That's embarrassing. Oh, so, yeah, that's crazy. Oh, next weekend's going to be exciting. What other games are going to really affect? Well, I mean, North Melbourne need to hold on to their top in the spot. They're top in the spot four as well. That's what I meant to say. That's what I meant to say. We're just going to leave that. Um, but they got the dogs, so that shouldn't be too much of a problem for them. Um, Geelong need to beat Hawthorne. 
to stay in. Um, they should be able to do that. It's in Geelong as well, so it shouldn't be too difficult. Um, yeah, that oh, Saturday night, the Brisbane-Melbourne game is going to be amazing. St Kilda need to beat Carlton, obviously. The Collingwood-Richmond game is going to be great too because Collingwood need to win that to get in as well. I think Richmond are mathematically a chance. They just need to win by 20 or 30 goals, I think, and they'll and they'll get in. So they're a chance too. Um, and then what else we got? I'm looking at the wrong round somehow now. Um, and then, yeah, Sydney versus Fremantle in Perth. Sydney need to win that if they want to hang on to their spot in the 8-2. So really exciting round of footy. Let's get into now the Dogs and the Eagles. This was an interesting game. It was good in patches um, and really sloppy in patches. Um, I've seen the Doggies play a few times this year now, and they're, they're struggling a lot in a lot of different areas, and so are the Eagles. I hadn't seen the Eagles play yet this year, and I was like, yeesh, like some of the... Some of the stuff, like like I've been last couple of weeks, I've seen a lot of like um, Brisbane and Adelaide, and like the, I've, I've watched them a bit last couple of weeks. Just the real top end teams doing top end team stuff, and like gee whiz, yeah, that there's a bit of a difference still between the top and the bottom skill level wise. And I think the most disappointing thing out of this game is that the Eagles actually, you know, for parts of this game were quite good, but they just gave away so many 50-meter penalties. I think it was 872 50-meter penalties it was in the end and just gifted the dogs so many goals. The Eagles should have won this game. They should have. Like, they weren't loads better than the dogs. They were, like, they were probably on par, but the Eagles, like, gave themselves way more opportunities to kick goals than the dogs gave themselves. But the Eagles also like gave the dogs just so many chances. 50-meter penalties kill ya. They kill ya. They are probably too harsh. Yes. Yeah, but it's that's the rule at the moment. That's the rule at the moment. And every player knows it, and they still do things like, you know, mouthing off to umpires or shifting on the mark and stuff like that. Just like coach killers. Speaking of coach killers, they're coach is gone, gone, because he was mouthing off. <laughs> he was mouthing off about the draw and just saying other weird shit and just not being not being a good sport about any of it, just sooking mainly because his team was losing. And then he, then, then I think the AFL was probably like, you're going to just resign now. You just, you got to stop staying. you got to stop saying that shit and sooking about everything. Um, so he's gone. And like, they got an interim coach and, um, it would have been hard as an interim coach go, going into this game thinking, oh, I'm an interim coach. There's no way we're going to lose this. And then your team just goes and gives away, as I said, 872 50-meter penalties. Um, it would have been incredibly frustrating, that is for sure. Um, but still, really like well done to the doggies. They still deserve a lot of credit um, for getting the win, for going over there and getting the win. It's hard to travel and get a win, especially when you've struggled. Um, all year, basically. It helps when you have Ellie Blackburn. Now, I, th I think it is, you know, considered by most, I believe, um, that Jazzy Garner from North Melbourne is the best player in the competition. There's there's loads of others, you know, Conti and Anderson and the Press Barkus girls and, and Chloe Malloy and all these ones. But, gee, 
Ellie Blackburn is like is just an unbelievably good player. Unbelievably good. Like really sort of like should be in the discussion for one of the best players in the competition. She's definitely, I think, still the best kick in the competition. And I think she knows it because of her 32 disposals, I think 24 or 26, something like that, of them were kicks. So she knows that that's her strength. And fuck me, does she use it well? She had eight inside 50s. She had 660 meters gained, which I think was about 100 more than the next person. Um, she had an unbelievable game. It was the dog's best by a country mile and just does that every single week and has done it every week this year in a team that has struggled hard. And like the, her standards have not dipped. She's a freak of a player. So just wanted to give her a shout out because, yeah, I was blown away. And just her endurance, the way she covers the ground, she just gets from contest to contest. That's how she gets so much of the fucking ball. Her work rate's just freakish. Oh, yeah, I was really impressed with her game, and she was a big part of the reason. Take the 50-meter penalties out of it and just think about the way the dogs played. Ellie Blackman was a huge part of the reason that they won this game. She's so important for them. Um, as the skipper as well, it, it was interesting early on. Like if, if the dogs weren't being gifted so many goals, West Coast would have been controlling the game, especially early on, because they were controlling the clearances despite losing the hitouts. Like Alice Edmonds came came back into the dogs lineup and was really dominant in terms of hitouts. Um, I think it was a bit closer by the end of the game, but like she was pretty dominant. But it wasn't equating to clearance dominance, right? And when you have you know a very good ruck like Alice Edmonds and you got you know players like Lamb and Blackburn at her feet, you, it needs to be equating to more clearances like the dogs should have been like probably a good bit further in front than they were at quarter or half time so that's something they can work on they probably like you know they've, they've been decimated by the expansion teams as a number of other teams have been um you know they've lost players here there and everywhere losing bonnie too good out of your forward line fucking hurts a lot that has really hurt their ability to score um as, as has been shown for a lot of this year um but yeah, they got to find more ways to capitalize on hit-out dominance because then, like, they're not going to, you know, nothing's happening for them this year. But going into next year, they're not going to be gifted games like they were on the weekend. It won't be happening. So they need to find ways to score more. They need to bring more players in. They need to, you know, go to the draft. Whatever they're going to do. Um, yeah, that's something that needs to be worked on for sure. Um. The Eagles, God, the, the 50 meter penalties, they kill you. They kill you. They're rough to watch. Um, really frustrating. Be frustrating as a fan. There were lots of fans there. You could hear them on the um, the effects mic. The cameras at, um, what's it called? Mineral Resources Park, they point out across to the side of the ground that doesn't have a grandstand. Um, but you could hear the number of fans that were there. So the Eagles fans don't fuck around. Like they go men's, women's bloody dogs playing, whatever. They'll go and see their team play, no matter what. Um, so there was a lot of them there, but gee, they would have been frustrated. They would have been... There was... You could hear a guy throughout the game just clearly really passionate, just a real a real nuffy, which we love. Um, but you could hear him just throughout the game just like fucking screaming 
like advice and encouragement, but you could just hear him like, like just hearing that shit affects like someone just trying to fucking launch their voice a hundred meters across an oval. He's like, you can hear it on the coverage. I was like, ah, what the fuck? It was really funny to hear on the, uh, on the coverage. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, positives, Eagles wise, Swanson is always fantastic. She's a brilliant player. One of the underrated players in the competition because she plays over in WA in a team that never wins. It's not her fault, but that's the way it is. Um, and young Ella Roberts was fantastic as well, only 18 years old. Another bloody burp. I don't know what's going on. Um, if I'm going to give credit to T Smith as a youngster for playing really well, Ella Roberts is younger again, only 18, and she's, she was a superstar in this game. Where did the tackles go? West Coast last week when they beat Essendon, 104 tackles. 104 tackles, which is a lot. That's an insane. Now, Essendon had 104 tackles of their own. That needs to be said. But that is a crazy amount of pressure in a game. 104 fucking tackles. Where was that in this game? They only had 50-odd, 58 or something. Like, that's where'd they go? God, if they'd laid... 104 tackles, they'd probably win this game too. If anyone lays that many tackles in a game, they're probably going to win because the other team isn't going to have any fucking bones left. They're going to be turned to dust from being tackled so many bloody times. So, yeah, the um, who are with you? The Eagles have a game uh, that's of no consequence next week. Is that right? Oh, they got, yeah, they got Adelaide. So Adelaide are playing for top spot. Um... But it doesn't really affect too much. I think Adelaide are locked into the top two. Um, so they got themselves a home final. So, yeah, I mean, the Eagles won't be winning that. But, you know, if they lay 104 tackles again, they'll go a long way to being competitive in that game at least. And I shouldn't say they won't win it because St Kilda beat Brisbane. So anything's possible now. Everything's on the table. So who knows what could happen? Lay 204 tackles and they'll fucking win. I'll tell you that for free. Um... Alrighty, that'll do, guys. Thanks heaps for listening. I'm really pumped up about the upcoming final series. One week to go. It's going to be a ripper. Um, remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Tell your friends. I should really say this stuff at the start because the statistics indicate that no one's listening to this bit. No one gets this far. No one hears me say these words. They just go into the ether by now you've pressed pause and you've turned it off and you've gone to find another podcast. You've gone to find another true crime to investigate with your friends. Um, so on that note, I'll catch you later. Bye.